What is up, Charleston basketball fans? Happy New Year. Hope you all enjoyed the holidays. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Holy City Hoops podcast. From here on out, we are talking conference play. The Colonial Athletic Association kicked off league play this weekend with a new format. So in case you missed it, teams are going to play the same opponent on back-to-back nights, Saturday, Sunday. First up for the Cougars, they were up in Newark at the University of Delaware. They go 1-1 one one this weekend. Here to discuss the games is Ryan Teichler, a big-time Charleston basketball fan, self-proclaimed Grant Riller expert. Probably seen him around these here internets uh, when the Cougars are playing ball. We are going to discuss Saturday's narrow loss to the Blue Hens, and then we get to celebrate a much-needed win for the Cougars on Sunday, 66-59. We also check in around with the other CAA teams that were in action this weekend. Good vibes following the victory. Be sure to follow along at Holy City Hoops on your favorite social media channel, and definitely, definitely subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. You can get it on any platform. Let's get into the show. All right, Cougar fans, we are joined by Coogie Monster himself, Ryan Teichler today, CFC alumnus who you know from Twitter and cfcfans.com. Ryan, it's funny that we're recording this over Zoom because you and I live like less than two miles apart, but thanks for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on the show, Tommy. Two games to recap today. We are at the first of the new COVID-induced CAA scheduling. Cougars played Saturday against Delaware and then Sunday less than 24 hours later on the same court. Cougars split this one, go one and one. They lose Saturday. They win Sunday. I guess it makes sense for us to just go in order of these games. So let's let's start with Saturday's game. Cougars dropped this one 70 to 67. They had a chance to win at the end, but they never had a lead in this game. What were your overall impressions of the Cougs in that first conference game? Man, got to start with that brutal 10-minute stretch to start the game. <laughs> I don't think they scored a a field goal until eight and a half minutes in. Yep. And then the second field goal, you know, I want to say was another three minutes later. So if you told me that you're going to get two field goals, both threes from Keegan Harvey and then Epps to start the game with 10 minutes left to play, I would think you're going to be in a huge hole. But it, it was kind of weird. It's a weird game. I kept looking down at the score. And they were always still weirdly in it. Um, But yeah, the first 10 minutes were just brutal. Yeah, we should note there was a new starting lineup in this one. Uh, So Tucker got the his first career start. He replaced Epps uh, in kind of the two three spot. And then Lorenzo Edwards back in the starting lineup over Dante King. Uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with the, the slow start, but this team has has had these slow starts in the past. But yeah, I think I think the Harvey three was the only field goal in the first 10 minutes for Charleston. So they're immediately down in like a double digit hole. And we've seen kind of the offensive limitations of this team. And it's hard for them to come back. Credit to them in the second half, they looked a lot better. But that first half, the slow start really buried them early, set a set a bad tone for that first half. Yeah. And you know, that, that first 10 minute stretch where it didn't seem like they could do anything. They got a, a little bit at the line, but it is kind of the limitation of the team with no Brev and you're kind of looking for that alpha dog. So, you know, in that, in that first half of the half, I think everyone was kind of scratching their set head saying, you know, who's going to do it. Who's going to score. Um, where's the offense going to come from. And 
you know, no one really stepped up. You know, I was thinking, hey, it's got to be Zeph. You know, it's got to be Peyton Willis. It's got to be King. It's got to be Tucker. Um, but everyone kept deferring and you scratch your head saying, oh, my God, the first guy who scores is Keegan Harvey. The second guy who scores from the field is Epps. <laughs> right? Both off the bench. Right. So, you know, I think it, we're going to get these situations going forward just because of the offensive limitations. And I think at some point in the season, and it probably has to be sooner rather than later, we have to get a bit more creative on offense. And I, I, I want your take on this too, because it seems that yeah. Earl has been able to kind of sit back a little bit, especially having Grant Riller, where an ISO play for Grant Riller is not a bad play, but we don't have that option anymore. So, you know, I think the offense has to get a little more, you know, maybe back screeny, ball movement screeny, something easy. Yeah, I I'm glad you brought up that topic because this is something I've been thinking about a lot. And we touched on a little bit in a recent podcast, but I think coach Grant gives his guys a lot of freedom on offense to, to do what they want to do, whether it's Brantley or Geely or Riller or Galloway. And then when you take those guys away, all of a sudden you do see guys deferring to someone who's not there and kind of hesitant to take a shot. Um, I also think it's a little bit of personnel. I think this team definitely needs like a pure point guard. Uh, Willis and Jasper and Tucker are all kind of score first guys, but I think they need a passer and I think they need more one-on-one scores. I think coach Grant may be overcommitted to like the junkyard dog type of player. And then you, you see guys who, who can't take over when the team really needs a, a bucket. Um, and then you saw this, I think you see the personnel difference. Delaware had a guy, John Marco Arletti, who had not played at all this season. Kevin Anderson, their second leading scorer, goes down three minutes into the game. And this kid comes off the bench and puts up 21. And for context, no underclassman on the Cougars roster has ever put up 21 points. Not Brendan Tucker, not D'Angelo Epps, not King, Harvey, Houston, none of those guys. In fact, the only players on the team who have ever put up 20-plus are Zepp Jasper and Peyton Willis, who both did that this year. Their career high is 21. And then Lorenzo Edwards had 23 uh, last year against Old Dominion. So for Delaware to pull someone off the bench, who can give you 20 as a freshman. And then for Charleston, they have these guys that all the things need to break correctly for them to get 15, 16 points. And you just see kind of how that personnel stacks up. So I know Coach Grant's calling card is defense, but man, this team could really use like an ISO score or like a pure point guard. Yeah, I saw when you posted that on Twitter about Arletti having scored more points. That was a career high that's better than any of our underclassmen. I was shocked when I saw you post that. That Saturday game was the first time I've ever seen Delaware play. But I think, honestly, if I watched all their games, I wouldn't know who John Marco Arletti was. Yeah, Because I think he only played a, a total of 23 minutes and was yeah. over from the field. Yeah, scoreless. Uh, you know, and he comes in and I think he finished with 23 or, or maybe it was 21. Um, but man, you know, he had a play late. I think it was about a minute and a half. He had that scooping left-hand layup that went. Yeah. And you just got to kind of, you know, tip your cap and say, well, it's, it's this kid's day. Yeah. And the other freshman too, uh, Carr, he had a, a nice game himself. I, I forget what he put up in the, in the first half. I actually like him. Um, Another kind of observation that I noticed, and and it's hard, you know, I'm watching these games on on an iPad. 
So it's hard to tell their, you know, players exact height, but Delaware seemed pretty long. And that kid Carr, he's listed at six, nine, but you know, seen long arms, um, kind of a rangy six, nine kid. I, I actually, I actually liked him. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like a nice player. And, and that was the kind of the scout on Delaware going in was they don't play a lot of guys, um, you know, and then, so Anderson goes down you think Charleston's going to run this one out and they bring these two, two freshmen on who just have career days. Um, but that was just bad luck, I guess, for the Cougars. And we'll talk about the second game. Those guys were not as hot, but, um, yeah, Charleston gets in that early hole, but second half, there were some positives. They scored 44 versus 23 they had in the first half. I noted this on Twitter. They really found something with just the aggressive drives to the basket. Jasper, Willis, Tucker, all those guys were getting to the rim. They put a lot of pressure on the defense. They started you know, piling up fouls on Delaware and, and getting to the line. Smart and Epps were both making plays late in the game and, and also hitting their free throws to narrow that gap. Did you like what you saw a little bit more in the second half? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this team is at its best when either Peyton or Zepp are being really aggressive and getting to the paint. And Willis was was very good in the second half. Uh, I thought Zepp could have been a little bit more aggressive in the first and second half. He was he took 13 shots, um, which I only realized by looking at the box score. He didn't seem to me just watching it in real time that he was being overly aggressive. But I thought I thought Peyton uh, really played well in the second half. Peyton uh, matched a career high in this game with that those 21 points. I thought D'Angelo Epps had a really nice kind of stat-stuffing night in this one. He had nine points, five rebounds, two assists, which I think were the second most on the team, that steal and block, which was maybe the highlight play of the game. Brendan Tucker is super effective with that first step, but – You'll appreciate this as a Grant Riller uh, expert. He needs to go to the Grant Riller school of finishing at the rim because I think Brendan Tucker was like one for eight in Saturday's game and then like one for four in Sunday's game. And he doesn't take a shot outside of three feet. And so if a couple of those layups go in, who knows what happens? Maybe the Cougars go two and oh, but just getting into the paint, putting pressure on the defense seemed to, to be working for the Cougars. I'm really glad you brought this up because I had a note about how many times Tucker got to the rim, uh, you know, in that, the Saturday game. They talked about and, it on the broadcast. They, it, they brought it up how, how easily he was doing it, but he just wasn't finishing. If, if my count is right, it was seven times he blew by his guy and got to the rim and he missed all seven. So he's doing, he makes the hard part look easy and then the right. easy part look hard. He does this double clutch with his layups, which he's been doing since high school. You're watching his high school film when he just jumps over everyone. But it might be kind of a mental block because he he makes he he raises the degree of difficulty for his layups when he doesn't have to. I don't know if it was the first game or the second game, but he had one blow by. I think it was the first game where Painter was underneath. But Painter really didn't want anything to do with him. And he still kind of did this double clutch. Uh, he missed the layup, but he was fouled. But he had a lane and he can jump out of the gym. He's probably the most athletic guy on the team. And he's got to just go up and, you know, what are the kids saying these days? Like on his head where they yeah. tap on. Yeah, just, you know, on his head, dude. Just just go get it, man. <laughs> yeah, it's um, he would really 
up his scoring totals if he would just finish those those layups. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like I've kind of noticed the double clutch thing as well. Um, I should also note that Tucker and the rest of the team were combined 0 for 7 on layups in the first half, which not a surprise considering how down the Cougars got, but uh, just a disappointing stat for that first half. They cleaned it up in the second, though. Yeah, it was just head scratching, man. So Charleston, like I mentioned, never led in this game, but they still put themselves in a position to win, um, or sorry, at least in a position to send this game to overtime. Down three, six seconds to go. They run a really well-executed play to get Peyton Willis a wide-open three. I think Delaware probably planned to, to foul them and put them on the line for two, but they get away. I think Epps got the ball in the, at half court, passed it to Willis. He gets a wide, wide-open shot that rims out and – Cougars start 0-1. What you, do you think of the, the late game execution? Yeah, you can't get a better look than that down the stretch, you know, needing a three. I thought they were going to try to foul as well. You know, we scored a quick two instead of a three, the possession earlier. But yeah, I mean, we got the shot we wanted. But c- kind of coming down the last five minutes, I, I don't know if you got the same feeling of the game, but I never thought we played that well, even though we scored 44 points in, in the second half. It, it just seems to me that, you know, I know we chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, but it never really felt like we had control of the game. Uh, and I was actually surprised to find us with a chance with Willis taking that three. Yeah, I mean, we should note some context. Um, so Anderson going down obviously didn't help Delaware, and they only had – seven scholarship players healthy um, after he went down. And though their freshmen did play well, uh, Arletti did have four turnovers. Um, They were a little bit sloppy with their free throw shooting and execution down the stretch. Charleston did not play well. They still have these breakdowns on defense where guys get wide open threes. Um, The defense did look a little bit better this weekend than it has. So I think, I mean, this game ended and I was kind of thinking to myself, Charleston had an opportunity to win. But honestly, at the end of this weekend, I think both teams could probably be saying that to themselves. Both teams probably could make a case for going 2-0 this weekend. So it, it makes sense that it ended up being a split 1-1. Yeah, I agree. The only thing, the only other kind of note I have from the first game was no Cam Copeland, um, which he came up pretty big in the second game. But when mm-hmm. I was watching, I think he only had two minutes. But, you know, watching live, I don't really even remember him seeing much of the floor. Yeah, I don't remember his two minutes of action in this game either. Willis and Jasper really carried the load in that first game. They both played over 34 minutes. Edwards and Tucker in the starting lineup didn't give you much. Six points combined between the two of them. Uh, Smart had a good game. Houston had a really, really tough game. Davian Houston played 10 minutes. He had two turnovers, no points, no assists, no rebounds. And then Keegan Harvey, who we haven't mentioned yet, had a nice little game. He was all of a sudden the leading score for the team with just two shot attempts in the first half. Uh, they both go down from deep. I, I like him, man. You know, coming out of oh, yeah. Mount Verde where he was playing with probably three guys who are going to make the NBA um, on his high school At least, team. Yeah. And it, it might be one of these things because no one's seen him play because he was kind of buried on the bench and he's from Australia and, you know, he's 6'11 freshman. But I like him. I'm intrigued by him. Yeah. You know, if you looked at him against Dylan Painter, I think Dylan Painter needs to, you know, ship him some protein supplements and uh, a subscription to Gold Gym. But, um, yeah, I like his skill set. 
yeah, he's definitely got some some nice skills, and he's he shows it in flashes, uh, not just the outside shooting, but just the, the way he moves. I think, and um, the way he navigates like a zone defense. Like, yeah, he's he he seems like a nice piece, and that was actually something Delaware, the Delaware broadcast team also mentioned today. They're like, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about this kid and King for a while, which which is good. I mean, the uh, I know there's kind of a push and pull in the Charleston fan community about getting the young guys some minutes. They got some minutes in this game, and we can probably transition to the to the Sunday game now. Those guys who were basically non-factors in Saturday's game really came through in the clutch on Sunday for Charleston to pull out this win. First note I have is just depth. Depth won us the game on Sunday. You could see that that seven-man rotation for Delaware really start to wear on them. They just seemed tired, and Charleston used Copeland, King, even Houston, uh, those guys who – who just came off the bench and, and really gave a lift and were, were really essential to, to stealing the win today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Cam Copeland was very good. Uh, them losing Anderson in the first three minutes of game one meant they were down to seven scholarship players. And they had someone and, foul out. And yeah, right? and had someone foul out. So I do think the legs went out a little bit. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, Edwards, Copeland, um, you know, I thought they both played very well. Yeah, I don't know. Copeland is a is a mystery to me because in the games where he scores, he looks really, really effective, and then other games, he's just uh, you forget he's on the court. But he brought it uh, in Sunday's game at ten points. He was the third guy in double figures. He had a a great block in the second half great uh, block. hit a hit a couple threes yeah just looked I, I tweeted this out from the holy city hoops account i was like for three minutes he just looked like an all-american he was like going both ways he was like getting and ones getting blocks so yeah I'm, I'm hoping he continues to come along dante king also kept himself on the court uh he did he still has these foul issues but uh, he had a play on dylan painter where he just put it right in his chest and took him to the to the basket and i was like man that a freshman on a senior like that is, is impressive. Uh, so both those guys, big, big nights from them. Yeah. Starting with um, Copeland, he's really athletic, long, gives good energy. I, you know, I, I wonder why he doesn't get more minutes. It might be on the defensive end. It might I think be it is a footwork issue or, or positioning issue, but if he can figure that out, I, I would like to see him get a bit more run because we do need a little bit more athleticism in the lineup, um, I personally think. And then Dontavious King. King, to me, he he meets the eye test. It doesn't always show up in the box scores, but to, for something, there's something about him that I just like. He's a big body. He's got a good first step for being so big. He can put it on the floor. He can shoot it from outside but he's a freshman and we're dealing with the freshman issues of not playing defense with their feet, getting a little handsy, committing bad fouls, you know, ticky tack fouls, maybe not making the best shot selection or when to drive, but that's what you live with, you know, with, with a freshman. I, I, yeah, I really got like to give him the minutes. Exactly. Got to let him play through. Yeah. Yeah. So when he has an up game like this, it, it really helps, helps Charleston. Uh, we should also note that those Delaware freshmen who were so essential in the first game really came back down to earth. Arletti just had seven points. Carr had six. They, they, they made some plays, obviously, but uh, not, not the same impact. 
And then Charleston, I've mentioned Saturday, the winning formula seemed to be getting into the paint. They were making it rain from deep. Uh, they shot nine for 17 from three, 53%. Uh, the offense was clicking. They had only seven turnovers versus 12 assists. So the ball was moving and just a lot more fluid on offense. When they went up 17 points, it was like, where has this offense been the whole time? And their defense was was getting deflections. They, they got the block that we mentioned. Uh, for a stretch there, they looked really, really good. And I hope they can bottle that up. There was like some swagger on the bench, guys cheering. They, they need to take that and just like continue to, to build on that. Yeah, I thought uh, Zepp and Willis were really aggressive in, in that game, especially beginning the second half. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought the offense looked really good in spurts in, in the, the Sunday game. I was willing to say, you know, when they went on that run and get up, got up 17, that Delaware – you know, we, we've, we've got them right. Delaware is too tired. The depth, uh, our depth has got to them. Our star players are playing like stars. Then all of a sudden <laughs> Delaware goes on a 14 run. Why, why you I started scratching my head like, Whoa. Yeah, that, yeah, we, we should talk about that. So yeah, I, I set, I set myself up for, for you to counter with that. So after Charleston goes up 17, Delaware shredded that lead in three minutes. Uh, yeah, what was it, a 13-0 or 14-0 yeah, run? I think it was 13-0 or 14-0 run. Yeah, over three minutes there. And it was any way to destroy a lead uh, Charleston was guilty of. They missed free throws. I think King missed three in a row, and then Harvey missed two. They had these terrible deflections. Delaware was going full-court pressure, and Charleston would break it, and they'd have like a two-on-one, and they turned it over twice, I think. Someone, I think Houston tried to throw a lob to Epps on one of them and it sailed over his head. And then Epps had a two on one with smart and he tried to like underhand pass it for a dunk. And that was a turnover. It was just like, guys, like calm down. <laughs> Let's slow it down a little bit, get a good shot. And, and coach Grant talked about it with Everett in the post game. He was like, this team still needs to learn how to win. Like, especially without Galloway and Zepp, thank God was able to, to close it out. But even, even he and Willis, the veterans were missing free throws down the stretch, but Thankfully, they did, they did enough to hold Delaware off. But yeah, it, it got a little dicey there. Yeah, and Ryan Allen, who really hadn't done much in the first game, yeah, came alive in that stretch, hit some big threes, which he's a good player. It, it's wild that at the end of the CAA conference tournament last year, if everyone looking ahead was going to say Delaware was the prohibitive favorite, and then obviously they lose Mutz and uh, Darling. Yeah, Darling. But Ryan Allen's a damn good player. Yeah. Uh, so you knew he was gonna. They were still he, picked he was to gonna break second. out at some point. Yeah. 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 I mean, pe- people still liked him enough to pick him that high. Um, yeah. He. I mean, credit Zepp and Davian Houston for the defense on Ryan Allen because yeah, he was really really limited. And that just makes you think that that first game was probably even more attainable. I mean, you lose Anderson, you hold painter and Allen to, you know, not much production. You just have these crazy games from the freshmen, but uh, yeah, anyway, our Letty kills us of all people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Zepp uh, closes it out with seven straight points. I think he had a five Oh run by himself. He had that big and one Keegan Harvey hit his only three of the game when we desperately, desperately needed it to make it, I think from two possessions to three, like moved it up to seven, a seven point game. Glad they, they snuck out that win. Joe Wright, tweeted this out 0 and 2 and 1 and 1 are, are way different Charleston goes on the road to Delaware gets the split with the team that was ranked above them so 
guess I can't be too unhappy. Yeah, I agree. I was a little bit down after the first game, but maybe recalibrating and, and looking back on it is it was just a really bad half. And you can get, kind of pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and look at yourself after that half uh, and look at the next 60 minutes of basketball. And we thoroughly outplayed Delaware over that that last 60 minutes. You know, even though Delaware lost one of their best players, I know they're down a man. I know they have a short bench. But we were the better team th- that last 60 minutes of basketball. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's fair to say. That's a good point. What are your thoughts on, because of these back-to-backs, Coach Grant has been making the case that Charleston's depth is really going to help them. I think we're going to have to see it play out because we've seen we've seen guys like Copeland and King and even Lorenzo Edwards be effective, but we've also seen games where they're not contributing much at all. They're not giving much of a lift. Do you think that that will be an asset for Charleston and that they'll maybe win a f- more of their fair share of games on that second leg of the back-to-back because they have some depth? I do, and I'm a bit higher on Lorenzo Edwards as kind of the, I guess, College of Charleston fan consensus. He's got a pretty stroke from three. I see him more as almost like a a wing player than a stretch four. Uh, I know that kind of puts him out of position-ish, but if he can give you 14 minutes and knock down a couple threes, I think that's really valuable. Kind of rotating the cycle behind him i think if cam copeland could give you 10 to 12 to 14 minutes of high energy good athleticism knock down a couple shots play good defense i think it really helps so i i I do think we have some depth we touched on this a, a moment ago but i do think it's the defense that's holding those guys back and i think it's an issue for all the new guys because coach grant really really preaches defense it requires a lot of communication and like a lot of attention to detail. And I think those new guys are still adjusting to that. And because of the way this off season was with so many new guys coming in with COVID restrictions, with guys in and out of of practice, I think the team probably misses that, that uh, kind of time to get uh, on the same page, but maybe that's something that can correct itself over the course of the season. And, And coach Grant feels better throwing out a Cam Copeland and the Lorenzo Edwards because they're not going to give up an open three and they can have some time to, to be effective on offense. Yeah, and it's the same with with uh, Keegan Harvey. I think Coach Grant talked about it after the Saturday game, you know, after Keegan had a pretty good offensive performance. I think uh, Earl talked about, yeah, now he just needs to learn how to defend the bigger guys um, down low. And also, if he's going to be a stretch four, he also has to you know, defend out to the three-point line so, yeah, I, I agree. I think it is defense that, that might be holding them back from getting a little bit more minutes. Are we are we drinking the Kool-Aid too much for a team that only had one Division One win before this weekend? Are we too high on, on CFC or are we down on the CAA or are we just uh, – are we realists? Oh, I don't I, – I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think the CAA is – this might be the worst – the CAA has been in 20 years. When you think about it, this is the worst mm-hmm. since College Charleston has been a member. And if you go back another 15 years from there, that's the ODUs, VCUs, George Masons, which were much better. Yeah. I, I don't know. This, this season to me, maybe it's just with the coronavirus or what have you, almost seems like a mulligan. Yeah, um, it feels that way. 
so I, I, I'm not super high. I'd like to see him get hot and go on a run, but are my expert, uh, my expectations super high? No. Yeah, it is. It, it does feel like such a non-traditional year that it's, it's hard to gauge things. I think Hofstra is probably the, the team to beat still. Uh, they've got the best win that won over Richmond, even though Richmond doesn't look like the team they were when they were supposed to play us. Northeastern looked, looked good this weekend. They went two and Oh, once again, Bill Cohen has like a young team, probably younger than Charleston, but already looks like the better team, which is discouraging. Elon's not quite who we thought they would be. William and Mary's still struggling and Drexel and UNCW didn't even play. So yeah, I, I think Charleston is probably a middle of the pack team, but I could see them going either direction. I could see them falling down to like eighth. Uh, I could see them moving up to like fourth if they get it going and, you know, use the depth to their advantage. Uh, but it's one weekend in one and one sounds about right. Yeah. I think Elon's a year away. They get Jadon Michael or, or Jane Michael, however you pronounce his first name, Zach Irvin back. And then they got the hunters. They're going to be good next year. Uh, I agree that Hofstra has the best win, but Richmond might, might not be very good. A complete question mark about UNCW right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. who who knows? Yeah, I don't know. UNCW is looking better than I anticipated, but I don't know. It's also so hard to gauge with schedules. Like people are playing different numbers of opponents and totally different uh, levels of teams. JMU, who knows how good they actually are? But yeah, I mean, any anything else from this first weekend though from the Delaware series that stands out? Because we're not going to see this team this Delaware team again the rest of the year? No, I was actually a bit impressed with their freshman. I like that guy Carr. I like his length. I like Delaware's length overall with Painter being a big load and the Italian kid having some size too. I think they're going to be okay. You think they're going to finish uh, in their preseason position of second no. overall? No, I don't. I think Anderson's going to be out a while. I think he was in a boot on the, uh, on the sideline. So that, that's a big blow for them. Yeah, with their lack of depth, I think it just kills them. Trying to think what else. I think we covered just about everything. Peyton Willis, really, really good in that second game. Really, I mean, Willis and Jasper, once again, carry the team. Willis had 12 in the first half on Sunday. Really set the tone early, so they did not have that slow start like they did it on Saturday. And the offense looks a lot better when you're hitting 53% of your threes. Yeah, I think this offense is just way better when it's either going to be Willis or it's going to be Zep being aggressive with the basketball and that's finding their shot from three or driving and dishing or driving it to the rim. But I think we've, we've seen so far throughout this year that it's going to be one of those two guys that that really has to carry the load for us. Yep. I think so too, especially down the stretch of these games. If we can also get some minutes for the young guys and, and get them to learn on the fly and, and learn from their mistakes, that would be bodes well for the future. But yeah, maybe that that seems to be the mix going forward. Well, Ryan, man, I appreciate you joining on a Sunday afternoon to uh, to recap these games. Anything else you want to leave the people with? No, man, we're uh, a couple hours away from the Washington football team kickoff to win the NFC East. So <laughs> let's go football team. Let's go football team. I I, I wonder if this is going to age poorly, though, by the time I publish it on Monday. <laughs> it we'll probably see. will, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it, man. All right, cool, man. Thank you.